Hello everyone, welcome to the Authentic and Unfamous show and this is episode 2 of the Authentic and Unfamous show. I'm just about to bring on my guest, Dr. Ken Vu. Uh, this is on Facebook Live, so obviously we're still experimenting with a, a few different functions and, um, and attempting to basically get uh, everyone that we want uh, on the show. Uh, Dr. Ken has just arrived and I will be at our Facebook Live uh, function right now. So it's going to be um, uh, really, really interesting as we proceed. Hello, Dr. Ken Vu. How are you? Hello, Dr. Avi. Doing well, doing well. Excellent. So uh, let me see if I can share this. Okay. Uh, no worries. While you're doing that, uh, Ken, I'll just uh, give mm -hmm. a, a bit of a introduction to the audience that's joined the show at the moment. So hello everyone to uh, Australia, Malaysia, USA, and everywhere else around the world that's just joining in to watch the show. Uh, my name is Dr. Avi Ratnanesan. I am the uh, host of the Authentic and Unfamous show, and my guest today is uh, Dr. Ken Wu. Uh, Ken is a interventional cardiologist from the uh, University, uh, UCLA uh, health, uh, health System. He is a, also a TEDx speaker, uh, recently did a TED Talk, uh, which uh, were absolutely gangbusters in the US. And he was also on The Doctor's Show, uh, which is a major uh, TV uh, production uh, that uh, talks about health topics in the US as well. So it's a real honor to have Dr. Ken here today. Um, before we jump into it, I guess just to talk about the purpose of the show again, you know, um, the, the Authentic and Unfamous show is really to feature a lot of those unsung heroes out there in the world who are really authentic personalities, doing great things in the world. And it's a real honor to have Dr. Ken here today to talk about some of the issues around health, patient experience, how to achieve success, uh, and so on and so forth. So, Dr. Ken, thanks for joining the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Just happy to be here. So I just wanted to, to make a quick little correction so that the people at UCLA don't get upset with me. I'm an interventional radiologist. Um, so I do, I do use a lot of imaging technology. I treat a, a lot of cancer patients and some people use the term interventional oncology. I do treat some uh, peripheral leg disease as well. And so, uh, you know, there, we do share some overlap with the interventional cardiologist, but, but not a cardiologist by training. Sorry, yes, I meant uh, interventional oncologist, that's right. And uh, yeah. thanks for correcting me. This is all about what the show is all about, just getting raw. And <laughs> <laughs> no bullshit here. Excellent. Well, look, yeah. again, um, uh, as I said, you know, what we really want to do today in the next hour is to really share with the audience a lot of your story, because I'm really fascinated mm -hmm. about your story and your journey um, as a doctor, but also someone who suffered from chronic disease and how you overcame yeah some of those uh, experiences. And you shared this on TEDx. You shared some of your insights on the doctor's show. I guess, do you want to just give a bit of a background in terms of, you know, what made you choose medicine in the first place? And, and why did you why did you want to become a doctor? Sure. Um, well, you know, as a kid growing up, I, I don't know if some people have, have seen the TED Talk, but I was, a, I was a boat refugee to America. And so, you know, I spent eight months on a boat, another three months in a refugee camp and grew up in a very poor area of Chinatown, Los Angeles. Uh, and growing up, I had actually wanted to do something bigger than, than being a doctor. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to, to be in the media, to have a voice that's impact many people. I mean, my heroes were like Robin Williams, Tony Robbins and the like. And, 
you know, just kind of growing up, that's something I, I aspired to be. Medicine was always kind of like on the background. And, you know, for my parents, my immigrant parents, you know, uh, they certainly really desired for me. They, they felt that I was a, heal a healer and they definitely really pushed for that. And just along the way, um, that's something that I always did want to give back to them. You know, they, they, they sacrificed so much. My dad got thrown in jail when we tried to escape Vietnam uh, years ago. And so, you know, just, just knowing their sacrifice, I wanted to be able to give something back to them. And um, biology was something that always came pretty easy to me. And uh, without thinking about it too much and without being conscious about it, I just kind of went down the path. And certainly I wanted to help people Hmm. Uh, but I, you know, there, there was some, there was a calling even very at a young age to, to, to do more speaking or, or, or to be, you know, doing more media work. Hmm. Uh, but biology did come easy. And, and once I kind of fell into med school, uh, you know, you don't think about it. You just go through the training process and, yeah. and don't get me wrong. There is nobility in terms of being able to help people and, and really give back in, in that way. I mean, I, I do find that, that you know, being a doctor is one of the most sacred things because you have that bond with your patients and you're able to help them in such a deep way. Mm. But as somebody who's going through the training process, mm. um, sometimes it's very difficult to be fully conscious about what you want in your life, right? I mean, you know, I don't know what medical school like is like in Australia, but, you know, you jump into medical school, you're just hit with like uh, lots of material you need to learn. Uh, and you're just going process by process through process without really asking yourself, okay, well, how am I sleeping? How am I eating? Am I doing what I really, you know, want to do? Um, and you just sort of, you know, ask these mentors and these mentors might not, they've gone through the same process, might not be very conscious about why they chose what they chose to do also. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I ended up being an interventional radiologist and did a lot of oncology work. Uh, certainly very happy because, you know, there are some accomplishments I've done in the conventional medical uh, field that I'm very proud of. Absolutely. But at the same time, uh, sometimes when you're going through life, you got to stop and pause and, and ask yourself what you're really meant, you know, to be doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this is really interesting, right? And this is why we, we connected and why we had these things in common, yeah. because we both practice medicine and practice medicine. I left my career in medicine early on, but maintain a career in healthcare, which as you know, there's so many ways to help people in, in yeah. health, healthcare. And you, you and both of us have used the media channel as a, as a channel for um, helping others uh, as well. But you, you were very successful in becoming that specialist and becoming that interventional oncologist and, and working mm -hmm. really hard at that. Um, and mm -hmm. also saving a lot of lives in that space. What would you say is the, the and, and then branching out your career, what would you say are some of the secrets to your success in becoming that specialist, right? Because there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that, you know, and people on the show that are still in early on in their career or in their 20s mm -hmm. and 30s that, that sort of maybe are thinking about doing different things. Um, what were some of the traits that you had that, that made you successful? I think uh, just going through the process, you know, I think doing anything in life is very important to have good mentors uh, and, you know, seeing what you want as kind of a, a done deal and, and having the right people guide you through. And so I had really good mentors. And when I had chosen radiology, 
uh, and then subsequently interventional radiology. I've had people who really show me what it's like to be a clinician deeply caring for a patient and being able to use the, the uh, medicine at that time to be able to do our best to try to you know, save people's lives or, or, or to help people out. And so I think mentors is the very, is the, the utmost importance. You know, having seen people who have lived the life that you want to live or have the career that you want and just having them guide, guide you through. Then, then the rest of it is just, you know, uh, knowing your why throughout the process as well. And right. I would probably say I did know my why, but as I'm, as I'm evolving, as my consciousness is starting to evolve, you know, yeah. things start to shift. And then, you know, here I am doing more media work than, than interventional radiology. Wow. That's yeah. super interesting. I want to pick on those two, those two reasons there. Uh, first one, mm -hmm. just around the mentors. And uh, similar to you, I had uh, a few mentors uh, over the years. My dad was a mentor. He was uh, dentistry and very successful in dentistry. Uh, he was the president of the World Dental Federation. So that really gave me, you know, a lot of mentorship from, from, from a young age. Uh, I also had many sort of doctors and other sort of successful people but I brought on as peers as well what how do you approach a mentor what do you say to then bring on a mentor because I'm sure a lot of people would have just heard you say that and think oh well how do mm -hmm. I identify the right mentor and how do I get them into my life you know to, to help me yeah. no certainly um, I I think just identifying the people that that uh, inspire you most you know once i decided i wanted to do interventional radiology mm. i looked out in the community and i said well who, who are the people i want to learn from and i think at least in the medical field if you have a you know a, a budding student or a budding you know uh a resident that 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 really shows a lot of interest uh and if your interest is genuine i mm. think you know just reaching out to them and now it's easier than ever to be, to reach out to people people have reached out you know, to me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook. And I think it's easier than ever to be able to do so. Right. Um, I think in the, in the medical field, if you want to reach out to, to, uh, you know, to a doc, it's, you know, you'd be surprised who you can just uh, go out and reach. And then, you yeah. know, even within your local community, uh, mm. I'm pretty sure there's, there's, there's probably people in your specialty within the hospital that you're in or within the local region that knows the people that you want to meet. Yeah, uh, who who might not be in your local region? Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's fascinating. I mean, uh, just a few tips and strategies that you talked about. Really reaching out to people, even on social media, you found sure. Well. Mm -hmm. and, and I've done that even on uh, I've used LinkedIn and Facebook. I reached out to you on Facebook, and we <laughs> right, had right, thing, right. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, th these things do work. And sometimes we feel like someone's so important that they're unreachable. But I, you know, mm -hmm. the amount of people I've reached through LinkedIn is is amazing. Uh, and then the other one you talked about is just having someone uh, local, right? Someone that yeah. lives in your area or is close by is also helpful to have that face-to-face -face kind of mentorship sure. as well, right? Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Mm. And, you know, uh, use your networks. I mean, start locally and, and everybody who's a few steps ahead of you has the network for the, for the people that are above them as well. So mm. That's yeah. fascinating. The second thing that you talked about, which was a secret for your success, is finding out your why, right? And mm -hmm. that's all around um, understanding your purpose. You know, what are you here for? What are you here to do? When I listen to you, you seem to have um, real clarity that you wanted to help people from a young age. And that's something I, want, I, I resonate with as well. Uh, but how do you 
figure out exactly how you do that, right? Because right. you figured out that you wanted to be a doctor and then at some point you decided it's going to be oncology. And even in the last show in episode one, we, you know, we had uh, Vishal as a guest and he was, he was a millennial trying to figure out, well, how do I navigate and decide what my purpose is and, and what's my why? So what did you right. do to, to figure that out? Apart from well, I, right. I, I always think we are in a constant process of becoming, right? right? And our whys change over time. You know, I think early on I had a very, um, my why was to want to help people. And then, and then somewhere along the way, I think maybe early on, you know, eight, nine, ten of, you know, I, again, I, I grew up in a very poor area and I got bused to an affluent, you know, school. And I remember being made fun of for being an immigrant, for, for being poor, for, for, for the stinky food my mom cooked, all those things. And, you know, then there was a part of me that just started to feel like I was not enough, right? And so a big chunk of my why, you know, kind of growing up in junior high and high school was just to fit in, right? Which was just to, to be enough. And so I came from the why of, of okay, I'm not happy with my my life i'm not worthy and that's a very good driving force but you know mm -hmm. it, it, you know you might get get to a point in your life where it's like you'll cheat you'll, you'll try to strive for those things and it's not fulfilling and it's taking away from your body and in my case it, it took away from my health as well right. so that why has changed throughout time and i think once you start to realign yourself with you know I, I really do believe that we're, we're placed on this planet, you know, one, to evolve, two, to really discover ourselves over and over again so that we can become the best version of ourselves and then to give. Mm. Um, so I would just uh, encourage everybody who, who hasn't found a why yet to, to know, number one, the why is going to change as, as we, be, be, you know, as we evolve. Yeah. Uh, and two, when you get there, you just sort of know because it starts to feel good, right? right. I always knew that as, as, I was trying, as I was trying to be this, this, this doctor that, you know, that spoke around the world, those things, I always still felt, oh, my God, you know, do I deserve this? Am I meant to be doing this? Right. And I'm asking those questions less now. Now I, I, I really am just starting to be like, wow, it feels really good to speak of health in, in a new way and be able to get people to really understand that the access of through their health is this for them to really know who they are and live the, the life that they want. Mm. That's really interesting. These are the wisdom bombs that I, I always uh, expect to come out on the show. And some of the wisdom bombs that you came up with is the whole, you know, uh, understanding that you are constantly becoming your why and that your why right. uh, is changing right. and evolved. And, and the third thing you said, it's, it starts to feel good or, or, or really comfortable, mm -hmm. right? Um, right, which, right. Which is quite funny. And, and you know, I, I remember sort of going off and, and for three years I left healthcare and got into the film and tech industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and, mm -hmm. and that's where we have some, you know, some common interests. And, and at that time, I was very excited about what I was doing. But as I went on doing that, I, I felt less fulfilled. Mm -hmm. you know? And then I sort of pivoted back into and founded NHS in healthcare because the healthcare side and the tech side then gave me more fulfillment as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's that, how do you identify that? I know this seems like a weird question, but a lot of people out there are probably doing a lot of these pieces of work. They've been pressured to take on certain jobs. They're now earning yep. salaries. They're, they feel mm -hmm. a little bit stuck. 
maybe, you know, how do you、mm-hmm. then kind of go, you know, how do you make sure that, okay, if you've got this discomfort, I've got to change? Is there a, is there a point or a trigger or something that you had maybe that?、Uh, right. Uh, well, I mean, my, my trigger point was, you know, here I am. You know, I was you know,、uh, in private practice maybe about two, two and a half years ago, and I was working 60, 80 hour weeks、um, and、uh, certainly helping a lot of people. But I started to see less patients. I was, you know, you know, I was starting to see so well, I spent less time with patients.、Mm-hmm. And I started to see just a, you know, a lot more volume. And that's the way it kind of is in the US, right? And、uh, I wasn't you know, really taking care of my, my body. But I was you know, kind of accelerating my, my career. I was doing more speaking on, on conventional medicine and, and, and you know, going up the ranks of the hospital.、Uh, all the while, I was overweight. I was diabetic. I was hypertensive. I was on tons of prescription medicine, even stuff to help me fall asleep. And so I just started to say, man, I am feeling burnt out. And, you know,、right. I, I didn't sign up to this. You know?、right. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm able to stop somebody's bleeding or open, open somebody's leg artery, but you know, I'm getting sick. And then I also start to begin to, to just remember what, what health is and, and how these people, you know, I, I, I wasn't really able to help them at the core.、Hmm. You know, and it wasn't until a,、uh, a dying patient reminded me about how to live a little bit more consciously,、oh. you know, and that really started the path. And for me, I think there's, there's many, many different ways for people to kind of tap back into who they are, you know, who they are at, at the core. You know,、right. I've, I've done hypnosis, I've done plant medicines, I've done lots of deep personal development work. And it's really doing that inner work that allows us to, you know, step away from the subconscious programming that we're hypnotized to, you know,、right. to be able to, to start to feel. So, really, I would say if somebody, Just doesn't feel right. Number one, don't beat yourself up. It's that point that your body is just telling you, hey, listen, wake up. These are just symptoms, and these symptoms are a guidepost that you're not doing the thing that you're meant to do in your life. So、right. be grateful for that. And then, and then start taking steps. And I, I don't think there are any right steps. There's certainly lots of things that, that I've done that,、uh, that I'll talk about my book coming out later this year. But、um, number one, Just recognizing that、uh, if something doesn't feel right inside, to be able to step away and start asking yourself, well, what, what's missing? And、right. where, where is the alignment not, not there?、Yeah. Okay. Look, you've said a, a number of interesting things, and particularly your、um, conditions around physical health. So you had diabetes,、uh, you had tension, you were overweight,、mm-hmm. uh, you were burnt、mm-hmm. out as a doctor. Uh, as well, and that's, a, that's、mm-hmm. a big problem in the medical industry. It's a lot of、uh, mm-hmm. doctors getting burned out.、Um, yeah, so, yeah, for sure. But, but you look clearly like you've overcome that. You look slim, trim, happy, and you know, I see the work that you're doing. You've, you've clearly you know, turned around quite a bit. So, what, what did you do、uh, to, to kind of you know, look at all these medications that you're taking, your health conditions, but also you, you, you tied it back to your mental and emotional health, right? Because sometimes we keep the, the physical health separate to our mental and emotional health. What did you do to kind of、mm-hmm. match it all up and figure out, okay, well, what's my next step? You know? Right. Well, you know, I've, I've done a lot of studying、uh, and research in, you know, when I, number one, looked at my sickest patients 
And then I looked at the high performing patients. Okay. Then I also looked at people who have been able to reverse their chronic disease. And epigenetic tells us that there are seven key factors that really kind of make up a bioenergetic frequency that we give to all our cells. Mm. Diet, yeah. movement, yeah. Um, sleep, yeah. stress, emotional control, yeah. your thoughts, beliefs, and mindsets, yeah. community relationships, yeah. and then having that sense of purpose, mm. right? So all these are inputs that, that, that have a certain amount of energy. And I, I call this, um, you know, your bioenergetic state or frequency. It's the frequency you give to each one of your cells. You're either telling your cells to thrive and to grow, or you're giving the cells the messages of, of stress. Yeah. Now, I would probably say that if you look at each one of these categories, if you could just start to make simple changes in each, you know, what that does is energetically, because all these things are tied together, it, start, it will make other things easier and easier to change. For me, it was really kind of just tapping into joy more. So it's tapping into the, the emotions of joy more. So it's asking myself, all right, well, you know, the six to eight hours a week is not doing anything for me. What are the things that I can be doing that, that, that lights me up and gives me joy? Yeah. And once I started doing more of that, then I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? You're starting to feel good about yourself. Energetically, something's starting to shift. Yeah. Then it's starting to, you know, then it's easier to, to make that shift you know, when, when you're feeling good about yourself, for you to say, oh, okay, well, why am I here? What am I meant to do? And then when you, get, when you have that, you're like, wow, I'm waking up and I'm meant to do this. Well, why, why would I want to eat that shit or put that stuff in my mouth, right? So all those things start to become easier to do, and it's easier to make those lifestyle changes once you're starting to feel good about yourself. But just, just work on one at a time because they're all energetically tied together. Yeah. Um, but I would say the root cause of a lot of those chronic diseases fall within those seven factors. Again, sleep, diet, exercise, stress reduction, having a community and relationships and having purpose in your life. Yeah. All those things are actually the root of a lot of disease. And if those things are off, then, you know, your bioenergetic state or your fre frequency is low. You're yeah. basically telling yourselves we're in stress and survival state. And what that does is it decreases your, your immunity, it increases inflammation, and when we know inflammation is actually the, the, the key kind of, uh, uh, the tying thing for a lot of chronic disease is, yeah. is inflammation, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, so th that's super, super interesting. Um, and there's a lot of research around blue zones, which is areas mm -hmm. in the planet where people, you know, higher percentage of people live over 100 years, and a lot mm -hmm. of the factors for, um, for people that live longer in those blue zones are some of the factors that you just talked about, the community and right. relationships uh, as well being, being one of them. And, and I don't think anyone's going to sort of challenge you when, when you say that, you know, diet, movement or exercise and sleep are really important to overcoming chronic disease. But the ones that people don't talk about a lot mm -hmm. is the stuff around purpose, the stuff around community uh, and having that good community and well-being. Um, yeah. And, you know, how do you, I mean, what evidence have you seen around, um, yeah. you know, having purpose and overcoming chronic disease? I, I believe in the, the whole yeah. fact of, you know, you've got to do joyful work and the happier you are. I mean, I can resonate with when I'm feeling low sometimes, mm -hmm. I just go and buy a pizza and just stuff my face with pizza. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, nights in a row. so, yeah. So, how do you... Right. So, there's a colleague of mine over at UCLA, Stephen Cole, all right? He... Yeah. 
He uh, is in the field of psychoimmunobiology and, and epigenetics. He did a very uh, big study with uh, Barbara Fredrickson around purpose, around something. So he studied people and they studied whether or not they were more, they tended to have more eudaimonic happiness. And what's eudaimonic happiness? Or that's the joy that you get when you have a deep sense of meaning or purpose in your life, right? And then they also had groups that uh, displayed more traits of hedonic happiness. That's the happiness you get when you have things, right? And what, what they noticed was external things, right? Um, what he noticed was when they uh, put together these, group, uh, these groups, those people that developed high states of eudaimonic happiness, actually you could see changes in their genes that ha it has decreased inflammation or decreased inflammation, increased immunity. And then if you also uh, look at the book um, uh, from uh, Professor Blackburn of San Francisco, uh, it's on telomeres. I forget the, um, yeah. the name of that book. She's but Australian actually. Oh, yeah, right. So they also show that the telomeres are longer for those people that demonstrate um, eudaimonic happiness. So the evidence is there. And, you know, this is my my thinking of why, you know what, both from a cellular level, from a humanitarian level, we are programmed that way. Right. Yeah. You take a cell, for example. Right. A cell is meant to, number one, be the best cell that, that it is, but it has to work in a community. Right. Like a heart cell has to be the very best heart cell to pump blood all throughout the body, right? Yeah. To be able to get to the lung and then the lung brings in this oxygen. So the lung cell has to be the best lung cell to get to now re-deliver the nutrients back to the heart, right? So if a cell decides not to be in a community or not to give back to the community, it becomes what? Cancer, right? I'm gonna grow no matter what. And that's who we're meant to be. And I think we are, you know, our, our DNA really, you know, demonstrates that humanity is meant to evolve and we're meant to evolve as, as species working together. Um, and I think that's why, you know, our, you know, our, our genes basically gift us with better health yeah. when we give back. Yeah. And, and so we don't actually reach our potential for, for health unless we give back. That's, that's it. So really, the purpose of life really is, is to find out what, what we're good at, what, what lights us up, because those actually make changes in your, your DNA. Yeah. But it's not until you give it away, you know, that is, that's the juju. And that's where you get everything. So yeah. number one, just be happy. Find out the things that make you happy and joyful, and then be joyful and share that with your community. That's health, my brother. I love, I love, I love what you're saying there. Now, just a couple of questions, Sal. Uh, who's online now has a question around the reference. Now, you, you talked about one of the references, or when I say references, the pieces of literature was the study sure. by Elizabeth Blackburn on telomerases and that connection between the telomerase um, sort of happiness uh, slash purpose and better, mm -hmm. better lifespan, yeah? Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would probably say if you guys want references, go ahead and Google Elizabeth Blackburn, Google Stephen Cole, and then Google Barbara Fredrickson. And they do a lot, um, there's studies around eudaimonic happiness, yeah. right? And, and eudaimonic happiness is again, the, or eudaimonic joy is that joy that you feel around the sense of, of having purpose. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I just want to clarify that for the people that are on the show right now. And, um, you know, the other piece that you, you talked about is, you know, the, the, the ability for us to actually have a better um, life experience, human experience, happiness, 
um, if we're around other cells that are also mm -hmm. happy and keep us contented uh, and so on, right? And so yeah. one of the things that is a challenge for us and, um, is sometimes we have family members, sometimes we have friends, and sometimes we have people around us in the workplace that are pretty toxic, right? That make us pretty unhappy on a regular basis. Uh, not my mm -hmm. family. <laughs> I won't say that. <laughs> but uh, how, do, how, do you, how do you basically then, you know, disassociate yourself from people, mm -hmm. and some of these people may be really close to you, and you're forced to work with them on a regular right. basis. I hear what you're saying around that eudaimonic, eudaimonic happiness and keeping centered, but how do you uh, shift from those sorts of networks that are within your you know, work, home or work environment on a regular basis? Right, sure. I think one, doing a lot of deep personal work, um, and you just come to the point that this, uh, where, you know, and it, and I'm constantly doing the work myself, but you know, I have to constantly remind myself when I'm getting triggered because when I get triggered, it's something that's in my own subconscious yeah. that is triggering me yeah. to feel a certain way. So that's, that's an opportunity for me to heal something. Yeah. Right. And when we start to take responsibility that our emotions, our emotional state can be guarded in such a way that nobody can come in and trigger that anymore. That's when we really master that part of the emotional aspect of, 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 of uh, what I was talking about. Because um, emotions are so important. High vibrational emotional states lead, lead uh, to gene expression for, for better health. And so I think it's doing a lot of that deep personal development work and then becoming just really conscious that, you know what, at any moment, if we can own that no person no circumstance and nothing can take away the joy or, 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 or that feeling of happiness and that feeling of gratitude. Mm. When we can master that, that, that will lead to, uh, you know, better health for sure. Yeah. The, the, yeah. You know, this applies in two, in two ways. So one for the people who are at home and have family members or, or so on that might be triggering them on a constant basis. Maybe that person, uh, took something away from them. Maybe that person hurt them in the past. Uh, maybe they've got an argument going on about uh, money or, um, you know, uh, love or other family members. But what you're saying is that just do the own deep personal development work so that you can identify your own triggers wow. of when you get angry and then try right. and basically heal them uh, in, 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 a, in sort of calming yourself down. Um, right. You're, when you get triggered, what, what, what's that work look like for you, Ken, in terms of, you know, what, what do you actually do to calm yourself down when you get triggered, right? Right. Okay. Well, number one, finding my, discovering I'm getting triggered. And I don't necessarily stop myself right away because sometimes I get triggered. And basically what happens is your subconscious brain starts to work and then you know, then you're just operating from the subconscious level. So number one, being able to recognize you're getting triggered, mm. you know, um, and when you can recognize that, if you could just take a few steps away, take a few breaths, and you might need to leave the situation for a little bit, right? And that's okay, too. And then just recognize, all right, well, where is this coming from? And like I said, I've done a lot of personal development work, you know, I've done some communication programs and whatnot, we can always, you know, 
you know, get to root of the issue. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to, you know, get yourself out of the situation. But yeah. I think it starts with awareness. Awareness yeah. that when, one, you're getting triggered, and two, you have to remove yourself from the trigger, then ask yourself, all right, well, where do I want to be? And, and how do I want to be? You know, I don't want to be triggered. You know, I want to come from a place of gratitude. I want to come from a place of love. And then I have to recenter myself in that space mm. before I start communicating again. Right. Okay. So yeah. two things is self-awareness and identify, hey, I'm getting mm. triggered. I'm getting angry. Maybe somebody cut me off in the, on the street and, and, you know, you suddenly right. get triggered and get angry. Uh, but you just have to become aware, hey, I'm getting angry. Two, right. try to remove yourself from that situation. And then three, yeah. calm yourself down uh, following on from that. Um, what about if it's uh, and, and what you're saying is, is is pretty deep because you're you're tying this back to chronic health issues. You're For sure. Saying that if doing mm -hmm. these techniques on a regular basis actually helps mm -hmm. reduce inflammation, which can exacerbate any chronic health issue, whether that's diabetes, hypertension, and and so on. For well. sure. Yeah. Right. Like I said, um, you know, I talk about this in my book, but again, seven main things. I'm going to repeat them: our diet our exercise, our sleep, our stress and emotional control. What emotional states do we live at? And then yeah. community and relationships and purpose. Now, all those things together, you know, basically has a bioenergetic frequency. You're either at a high vib vibrational frequency or state, and that tells your cells it's, it's grow and thrive time. I'm going to have better immunity, decrease inflammation. Your telomeres are longer. Your mitochondria work better. Hmm. On the other side, you're telling yourself, hey, you know what? There, there's a saber-toothed tiger maybe coming. You're in a survive and stress state. There's a lot of your autoimmune conditions because your cells are on alert. So autoimmune conditions go up. Your immunity goes down or your inflammation goes up. So all these things are definitely tied together. So if you can work on each one of these things, you know, the com they are basically the common pathways to a lot of disease, right? Right? Because, uh, uh, you know, emphysema or like, uh, you know, cardiac disease with, with atherosclerosis, that's, that's inflammation of the arteries, right? You have COPD or lung disease, that's inflammation in the lungs, right? You've got, you know, uh, all these autoimmune disorders for the joints. What is that? That's inflammation in the joints. The, yeah. common, the common pathway is inflammation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's really interesting because let's talk about the workplace setting now, okay? Because You've got these emotional triggers, emotional controls. You want to live in that space of joy and gratitude. So one of the tips you're telling people is to actually how to get back to trying to identify joy and gratitude within your life. Yeah. Uh, but also one of the things that is um, that where people get triggered very often is the workplace, right? And both of us have yeah. you know, done a lot of work in hospitals. I still train a lot of doctors, nurses, and CEOs and managers in the health system. Um, and help the, these organizations improve their patient experience, but also their staff experience and their culture. And sometimes you're aware you've worked in a lot of hospitals. Sometimes that those cultures can be um, sometimes they're very lots of joy, love, um, and we see high patient experience scores. And sometimes they can be toxic. And 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 you know, yeah. in fact, even in in Sydney at the moment, some of the some of our hospitals that we're working with, their people matters scores in their surveys are showing that you know the cultures. Uh, struggling or being challenged mm -hmm. at the moment. So yeah. what would you say to that? Like, how would you, you know, change the culture and the healthcare environment and the setting? You know, what, what would they do? Well, I would probably say, look, I, I've left some hospitals because there was way too much ego that 
I didn't feel that at, at the time I was ready to take on to, to make those changes. But I think it's really important, number one, for physicians to step out and to recognize the type of culture, you know, within the within the hospital setting. You know, I know many different hospitals, depending on where you're at, has, a, you know, a, a setting of collaboration and love, but some can be quite toxic. And it really uh, takes physician leaders who, number one, recognize the role of culture and cultural energy uh, to be able to then, you know, get that to spread through, throughout. But, you know, it, it certainly comes from, I think, you know, uh, leadership and vision from the people up top to be able to create that. And you need, I think you, you need, you know, physicians to help, but, you know, any leader up top, all the administrators have to be in line with being able to create this culture that, mm. that, that is helpful for all. And unfortunately, you know, I would probably say a lot, a lot of hospital, you know, large hospital systems here in the U.S., you know, uh, physician wellness is something that it's like, okay, here's a one hour thing and you should be well, but nobody really looks looks deeper and and i think we, we need to be able to create those programs within the workplace for for you know all this personal development work uh yeah. uh for people to be able to to, to improve actually yeah yeah it, it, it's so interesting it's uh in the, in the in the book that i'm writing around the patient experience certainly one of the areas that we talk about is the the, the well-being of staff physicians and so on contributes to the experience you know, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and to that, that patient's experience as well, because happy doctors, happy staff, uh, happy doctors, happy patients, or happy staff, happy patients, and vice right. versa. And if you have uh, health professionals um, that are unhealthy uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, then the experience that people uh, receive in, in, in the healthcare systems, in the clinics, and so on, would also be poorer. So there's really a, a cycle, a vicious cycle that goes on that if we can change that around, we can turn that into a virtuous cycle of, of well-being, better experience, and, and so on. So it makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of what you're saying. Um, what, what is your, I, I suppose, in terms of helping people out there, I guess all these principles can be applied in the workplace as well. Is that right? Do you think that in the corporate workplace or in, in the uh, sort of um, small business environment, can these same principles be applied in those environments as well? Can you repeat probably the last 15 seconds again, only because yeah. our, our connection was a little choppy for a second. Oh, okay. Um, so I was just saying that some of the techniques that you're talking about in terms mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Um, gaining more emotional control through self-awareness, through bringing mm-hmm. love, joy, and gratitude, can yep. these techniques, would they apply in the workplace, in the corporate workplace, in the small business yeah. world? Would they also be effective uh, in, in those environments? Yeah, well, I, I, I think this is something that should be applied to all workplaces, small, big, you know, whatever. And I think it really takes a group of conscious leaders to, to have to, uh, number one, make this a priority. You know, if, if the priority is, is profits only, you know, and, and you're, if you're only, you know, uh, you know looking at the, the wellness of your employees as, as lip service, and if, if they're just, you know, a, a number in, in your company, then you're not really doing that justice. But, but I know there's a lot of conscious companies that are out there, um, you know, including places like, you know, Mind Valley, for example, that really looks for the 360 well-being of all their employees. And that's the approach you really need to take because, you know, it, you know for, for you to grow as a corporation, you, you need people who can grow with you. 
Mm. And you have, you have to take responsibility as a leader uh, to want people to become, become the best version of, of themselves. Then yeah. they could give their best, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the reason I ask that is because obviously some people in our audience are, are not from healthcare backgrounds. They're more from that mm -hmm. sort of uh, corporate sure. uh, professional background. But obviously we want to share the insights and make it translate across you know, all our different audiences from the different sure. countries. I suppose in terms of um, you know, some of your achievements, I, I suppose what would be, and we've got a few minutes left uh, for the show, but what would be your sort of, I suppose, you, some of the key take-home messages in terms of thoughts and beliefs, right? Because mm -hmm. you said that one of the key things around improving performance, improving health, is mm -hmm. the thoughts and beliefs of the person. Now, a lot of us have thoughts and beliefs that are programmed for a lifetime. Our parents told us this. Our, yeah. You know, our, our sort of, um, you know, this, we got told this by our mentors uh, throughout our career, our friends. Uh, you know, you were born in Vietnam, then you came to uh, U.S. You know, I was born in mm -hmm. Malaysia, lived in the U.K. and Australia. Uh, so, you know, we brought in all these thoughts and beliefs from other places. How do you mm -hmm. shift that? What, what do you... Uh, what do you do to yeah. improve that? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's certainly a lot of work that's out there. You know, uh, hypnosis. You know, if, if you guys are familiar with the work of uh, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, there are some. Uh, there, there's some work around. You know, called Psych K. A lot of personal development programs that just get you to number one. Uh, just see that there's possible other beliefs out there to adopt. That you don't that you don't have to take take on the beliefs that that were handed to you, then the next thing is going to be actually adopting them at a cellular level, mm. and that could be a little tricky, and and that takes a lot of deeper work. You know, for me, uh, I've, I've used some hypnosis, and you know, I've also used some plant medicines to go really deep to be able to kind mm. of shift some of that consciousness uh, within me. So you talk about, you know, uh, achievements, you know, everything that I I thought would make me happy or, or certain achievements. And, and, and to me, I would probably say that the greatest achievement in my life right now is putting my house on the market. Because right. what, it, what it actually uh, says to me is it tells me that I'm, I'm really ready to make a move that is more in line with who I am as a person. You know, right. I'm, selling my, you know I, I'm selling my house to really kind of invest more in myself. And so... Um, you know, and just, just recognizing that, you know, it, you know, here's my beliefs now is we're, we're all meant to just evolve. There, there's no, yeah. there's no experience in my past that, that's, that, that doesn't, you know, contribute to who I'm becoming now. Right. So, um, yeah. So that, that's really interesting. You just dropped this massive bomb here about you selling your house to, to, uh, to pursue some personal development. So you to some people that would seem like a big sacrifice because you're you know, taking something away in order to invest in something new. Can you share what that new thing's going to be and, and why that's more important to you than having a, a nice, because I've seen pictures of your house. It's this beautiful place in LA. Uh, why is that personal growth and development more important to you than having that physical um, uh, material uh, object or right. investing house? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I walk in, into that house, it's got great views of the lake, and it does bring me some joy. But number one, it's, you know, for, for me to upkeep that house, oh my God, it, it, it was such a pain. It was like, 
I was a one guy. There was, you know, three bedroom, three bath, and and I, I, I was just taking care of house guests, you know, all the time. Right. Um, but the thing is, this is most important was, you know, I had that, but there was, I was there was still no fulfillment inside, mm. right? And I, I, I had the house, I had the car, and not only was I not fulfilled, I had all those chronic diseases, and I think the the energy of that. You know, so here, here's the other thing. Um, when you look at the study from Stephen Cole and Barb, Robert Fredrickson, they've noticed that eudaimonic happiness leads to increased immunity, decreased inflammation. What they've noticed that those people that have higher sense of hedonic happiness, all right, or those external material things, they actually notice actually slightly increased inflammation and slightly decreased immunity. And mm. my, my theory around that is if those are the things that make you happy, Generally, you go through a lot of stress trying to attain those things right. to be happy, yeah. right? So you get them, but you're, you're like, you're working your butt off to try to get them, yeah. which reminds me of a Dalai Lama quote, because he had said, you know, one of the interesting things that, that, that uh, he remarked was most interesting about man was that man is willing to, you know, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, man is willing to give up his health to, uh, in order to make money and then uses money to recuperate his health. That's and that's right. exactly where I was, right? Yeah. And for me, I, I think this, if you can invest in yourself and invest and master all those things, put emotional joy and really start to contribute, the abundance will follow. So that's the counterintuitive thing that yeah. the most abundance you'll ever get is once you get to the place where your inner empire is so clear and full of joy and gratitude that once you start to give you're going to receive so much more in return and mm. so um to me you know don't get me wrong when i first put it out in the market I'm like what am i doing i mean yeah, uh, yeah. you know it's not like i have a, a a set plan but i do believe that i have this belief that i think you know um you know based on some of the studies and, and the work work and the message i want to share really allows people to be number one i, I hope they, they can access that their health is really more in their hands than, th than they think. And they don't have to re rely on prescription medicines or, or feel like they have to age feeling tired, right? Yeah. Because we have power in that. Yeah. So, you know, Ken, this is really interesting what you're saying. I mean, a couple of things that you've, you've highlighted here is that, you know, um, the health of our, our physical health is dependent on a lot of our emotional and mental health. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of that emotional and mental health um, is controllable by ourselves through greater self-awareness and understanding yeah. what triggers mm -hmm. this um, and, right. and becoming more self-aware when we trigger and then having some practices around joy and gratitude and becoming uh, more joyful and more grateful for everything we have uh, because right. the studies have shown that that actually shows that we can potentially reduce our inflammation but also live longer. And if yep. I'm not mistaken, one of the key things you've also said is that uh, and, and this is the concept of eudaimonic happiness, which I'm going to study so much more about the uh, eudaimonic <laughs> happiness now because uh, that's, some, that's a term I hadn't heard. But the other piece you said is that um, the, the external, uh, the factors or material things that give us external happiness, the pursuit of them or the study of them shows that that can also increase. In, the people that uh, had a lot of that physical mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. wealth uh, and, and, and objects actually had greater inflammation. And we're less healthy. Right, right. right. And, and I want to, I 
uh, clear up a few things. It's not those material things on its own uh, that, that are bad because I, okay. I think somebody who's done very well, like, you know, a, a, a few of my heroes will have a lot of abundance and those things aren't that. But, but if you are pursuing those things to give yourself happiness, if you're pursuing those things because they're, they're you know, you've got so much pain inside that you, you need these external things to make you happy, that's going to drive the stress in your life. Yeah. Right. So uh, in of themselves, those material things are not bad. I think it's just the pursuit of them for, you know, for replacing something that that you're missing inside. That's what what drives the disease. Now, yeah. I do believe that once you tap into why you are here, you're going to be wealthy beyond belief uh, because things yeah. will just start to flow into your life because you can just now give why, you know, your 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 authentic self-expression. That, that's thank you for clarifying because I don't have to give up the search for the penthouse now. I'll just keep going. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do it for the right reasons. Uh, right, that, yeah. Then that's the way to do it. Uh, look, Ken, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been a fantastic show. We seem to be getting a lot of good feedback, lots of hearts and likes popping up on the side here. So I'm really, really happy for that. Is there any final comment that we want to share uh, that you want to share? to the people out there watching the show today uh, before I wrap up? Uh, not really. I mean, if you haven't seen the TED Talk, I, I appreciate any comments on the TED Talk. But, you know, just place very simply, you know, I, I think the reason we are here is just to feel joy, to be happy, to have fun, and to do those things. That's why we are here. And then if we could just do that and share that with as many people around us as possible, and share that, that's, that's it. That's it. Just keep it simple. That's all I want to do is keep it simple. Let's keep it simple. As long as you think of those seven factors. <laughs> the, yeah, right. The, the, those simple ones matter. And um, look, thanks so much. That's been absolutely fantastic. Just to wrap up, I think it would be great, Ken, if either you and I put that uh, link from the TED Talk on the, on the, sure. on the chat box here, that would be great. Uh, we will also, to everyone who's on the show today, uh, this recording, uh, all going well, uh, we will put back up on the page. Ken will share it. I will share it with our audience out there as well. You know, as we said, Ken and I really are passionate about just helping everyone out there. We put a lot of our own time into these sorts of uh, productions um, and really want to uh, help people in a different way from, from our medical careers um, that, that we were involved in different ways, but, but to help people in a different way and directly as well. So if you do get some benefit out of it, I'd love for you to feed that back uh, on the show and on the links and just tell us how this has helped you because that then inspires people like myself, Ken, and, and the people that, that are in our networks to do more of this kind of work and to help more people as well. So uh, thanks very much, Ken. Very, very grateful for uh, your time, your brother. It's been absolutely fantastic. I, I hope these people, the, the video helps a lot of people out there uh, on the planet, both in healthcare and outside of uh, healthcare and people who are um, having those career and health issues on a day-to-day -day basis as well. So um, all Great. the best uh, to everybody out there and um, lots of love from me, Dr. Avi, and lots of love from Dr. Kien. Bye-bye now. Bye from everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye, Ken. Bye.